It's the Chronicles of Aguna. It's our Euro 2020 daily show and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Min with a twist at the moment. We are, of course, uh, bringing you our Euro 2020 daily shows in which we'll be discussing the big stories, the big news uh, from the European Championships, which are currently ongoing. And we finished off the group stage yesterday with what was actually a really, really entertaining day of football. Uh, of course, we saw the conclusion to Group E, uh, Slovakia, Spain, Sweden and Poland all involved. And of course, we saw the conclusion to Group F and we found out who England will meet in the round of 16. And there was a lot of talk, wasn't there, in the lead up to England's game against the Czech Republic, whether it was beneficial to England to finish second in the group. And at one stage last night, it looked as though England might have faced Hungary. And I'll tell you what, that would have been a dream draw, wouldn't it? for Gareth Southgate's men. But it's not to be. England are to face Germany in the round of 16. That game takes place on Tuesday evening at Wembley. And what a cracker that is going to be. We're going to come on to talk about that in a little bit and discuss perhaps how England can stifle this German side briefly. And then, of course, we'll bring you a preview closer to the time where we look at it uh, a little bit deeper in terms of the tactical approach that Gareth Southgate may or may not decide to take and how I think that England could potentially stop uh, the German side because Germany haven't been great in this tournament, but neither have England. Germany at least showed signs against Portugal that when they do click into gear, they're very, very difficult to contend with. I still haven't seen that from England yet. That's not to write off their chances or dismiss their chances going into this game. But I think a lot of people are looking at Germany right now and saying, well, this is not your typical German side. This is not the efficient, uh, you know, lethal German side that we've kind of seen over the years. And we all know that Joachim Löw is coming to the end of his tenure as as the German boss. And we know that it's time for them to move on. Hansi Flick is already uh, in position to take over. But you cannot write off the Germans. You can never write off the Germans. That's just one of the, the rules in football, you know, over the years, going back decades, you know, whenever people have kind of scoffed at Germany, written them off and, and and dismissed their chances. They've more often than not proven people wrong and produced when it really, really matters. So you've got to be careful with the Germans. But as I say, we'll talk a little bit about them on this show and closer to the time. Uh, so probably on Monday, we'll bring you uh, a preview of that game, a detailed preview on how England probably should, in my opinion anyway, approach that game. Let's say a big hello to everybody in the live chat watching us at the moment. Hope you guys are all well. Don't forget, if you haven't done so already, please do hit the like button and subscribe to the channel if you're new. If you're watching us on YouTube, we're approaching 14,000 subscribers and we'd like to get there as soon as possible. If you're listening via the audio, then we'd love you to leave us a review because that really does help push the podcast up the rankings. And don't forget, there is plenty Arsenal content coming your way as well now with the transfer talk sort of heating up. And uh, we're going to be bringing you another one of those shows 
a little bit later on today. Right, let's kick off by looking back at Group E and we'll start off with the game between Slovakia and Spain. Well, Spain hadn't turned up to the Euros up until yesterday where they blew Slovakia out of the water. Now, I know, you know, Slovakia kind of pressed the self-destruct button uh, pretty early on. They gave away a penalty, which uh, Alvaro Morata saw saved by Martin Dubravka, who just 18 minutes later went from being the hero to the villain when he tried to, I don't even know how to describe this. The ball went up in the air and what he tried to do was he tried to get there first and he did get there first and, and almost just parry the ball over his crossbar in order to concede the corner and to, to kind of get out the pressure situation he was in with Spanish players on rushing. But when you watch it back again, actually, Martin Dubravka seems to have an age to deal with this. He's watched the ball for ages and he's just literally slapped it into the back of his own net. It's a horrible miscalculation from the Newcastle man. Um, it's not just a bad miscalculation from Dubravka, you know, in terms of sort of understanding where he is and the tra trajectory of the ball. It's a really poor execution. You know, the hand is not strong enough and it kind of almost bends when the ball comes and it just leads to the ball going in the back of the net. Really poor, poor goalkeeping. And from then on, you know, Spain had the upper hand. And we've talked a lot about Spain at this tournament so far. We've talked about how they just keep possession, possession, possession. And they've not been able to turn that into anything else. And, you know, I agree with that. And I think it's been a, a big problem for Luis Enrique's side. I think what we're seeing is a Spain side who are trying to stay true to their philosophy, the philosophy that saw them win the World Cup and the European Championships. But now they don't have the same quality of players to be able to provide that finishing touch, to be able to, to provide that penetration um, when it comes to actually breaking opponents down. And it's all good having the ball, but if you're trying to break down a five-man defence with a four-man midfield in front of it, then you need to have a little bit more creativity. You need to have a little bit more goal. You need players who are going to pick up the ball and run at people and attack the, the the little spaces that are available. And Spain just don't seem to do that with this team. But that goal, um, you know, off the back of Morata's penalty miss, that goal, the own goal from Martin Dubravka just seemed to kick Spain into life. And, from, and you could almost see or, or feel the confidence just flowing through that team, um, a confidence that hadn't been there previously. And, you know, Imeric Laporte got his first goal uh, in Spain colours, his first international goal, incidentally, um, after, again, the Bravka, you know, caught out in a strange position, coming out to chase the ball, and the ball was stood up uh, into the edge of the six-yard box, and it was headed home brilliantly by Laporte. And then shortly after the break, Sarabia added a third before uh, Ferran Torres scored on the 67th minute. It was literally his first touch of the game. He just replaced... Um, he just replaced Morata and there he was with his first touch, putting the ball in the back of the net. And then the fifth was added by uh, an own goal from Kuchka. Now, I think Paul Torres will feel a little bit hard done by uh, with this one because he headed it from close range. Dubravka made the save and then it deflected off Kuchka. No defender wants that against his name and any defender who who has scored that and probably doesn't score very often, definitely wants that against his name. But UEFA have decided it was an away goal. And I think on the balance of things, when you consider it took two Slovakian touches before it ended up in the back of the net uh, from two different players, I think you probably got to agree uh, that it was uh, it was an own goal and leave it at that. So two own goals from Slovakia 
And uh, they, of course, uh, miss out on progression in the tournament off the back of that because they were uh, one of the worst placed uh, third place teams. So, yeah, Finland and Slovakia are the two who have missed out. And of course, this was all up in the air. This is what I don't like about the format of this tournament. It feels like there's no jeopardy. You know, Switzerland, for example, won their game Um against Turkey the other day and didn't really know if they were through. They had a good idea. It felt like they were through, but of course it wasn't guaranteed. You had the Ukraine um, who won, who, you know, ended on four points as well. Again, until Finland and Slovakia play, you, you don't really know what's going on. So it's just, for me, it's a mess. Um, I think it should just be the top two teams going through and, and, and we should just leave it at that. But it is what it is. This is the way UEFA have decided to do it. But to have four of the six um, third place teams progresses too much for me. I don't mind if it's two. I don't mind if it's even three and three miss out. But to have four of them going through, I feel is a little bit, I don't know, it takes away from the tournament, in my opinion. It takes away from the jeopardy. And I'm, I'm not a big fan. I've got to be honest. Moving on, let's, uh, let's have a look at what happened uh, in uh, the game between, of course, the other game in this group, the game between Sweden and Poland. Now, of course, Sweden, for me, um, have been a bit of a surprise package in this tournament. And the reason I say that Sweden have been a bit of a surprise package is because what they've done is they've gone about their business pretty quietly and quite unspectacularly. Now, when I say unspectacularly, I mean, they've they've won games of football um, that they've scored. Apart from yesterday, you know, they hadn't scored a great deal of goals, but they haven't conceded goals. That's where Sweden have been really, really good, in my opinion. In this instance, however, um, it was a bit more of an open contest. And that was because Sweden had already qualified. And if you look at the way Group E ended, Sweden with seven points. Uh, so two wins and a draw unbeaten, of course, in the tournament so far. Uh, Spain's win saw them leapfrog Slovakia into second place with Slovakia dropping down into third. Poland finishing fourth with just a single point. Now, Poland uh, could have given themselves a shout as one of the best third-place teams had they beaten Sweden. Sweden went 2-0 up in this one. Uh, goals from Emil Forsberg, uh, one right at the start of the game after just two minutes and one just before the hour mark, put Sweden in a really, really commanding position. And at that point, you felt like it was all over for the Poles. But Robert Lewandowski, top, top player, um, arguably the best striker in the world, who's been criticised over the years for his uh, contribution to the Polish national side. Um, you know, he he stepped up when it really mattered, and in particular, that first goal from Robert Lewandowski, which was just a minute after Forsberg had added the second, was incredibly uh, spectacular. You know, he was played down the left-hand side into that left channel. When Robert Lewandowski is not someone you really associate with pace, but he had the trickery, he had the ability to cut inside his man and rifle one into the top corner. Excellent goal. And then on 84 minutes, just six minutes from time, Robert Lewandowski added a second. And you thought, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Poland could potentially nick a goal here. Poland applied some pressure and I thought, you know, at, well, I remember watching it at the time because the Spain game was was a non-contest by that point. You flicked over and you, you kind of sit in there thinking, well, you know, I think that um, that Poland have a chance here. They've got all of the ball, but they were caught out on the counter-attack. And Klaassen added a third for Sweden on the 93rd minute to win them the game, uh, to put them onto seven points. Uh, and of course, to break Polish hearts. So Sweden through as group winners. 
But of course, uh, Poland out, Slovakia out and Spain, after a bit of a stuttery start to the competition, managed to find their way through in second place. Let's move on to Group F. And of course, this one uh, is the Group of Death. That's what it's been called throughout the competition. And we'll start off with the game between Portugal and France, because this was a cracker. Lots of people kind of anticipated this as being a uh, one of the games to watch in the competition, and it absolutely was. What a game. Uh, really, really enjoyed this one. Uh, Portugal opened the scoring after half an hour through Cristiano Ronaldo after the referee pointed to the spot from a f- for a foul from Hugo Lloris. Now, I watched it a couple of times, and at the beginning, I wasn't quite sure if it was a penalty or not. But the more I think about it, as a goalkeeper, if you come out flying with your wrists or with your fist, sorry, in the air, and you make zero contact with the ball and you you take the man, then you can't really have any complaints. And this is my issue with France. You know, I really like them and I really think they've got a strong side. And I think similarly to a number of teams in this competition so far, they've not quite clicked fully into gear yet. However, they're still functional and they're still getting results. But Hugo Lloris is a problem for me. And I'm not just saying this with my Arsenal hat on, you know. Hugo Lloris has always been a problem. In my opinion, he's he's rash. He makes mistakes. He makes mistakes far too frequently. And I actually find it a little bit worrying from a French perspective that they don't have another goalkeeper that they can call upon uh, who they believe is of that level. Because Hugo Lloris is one of those keepers that he can make you a match winning save and five minutes later throw the ball into his own net. You, There are a lot of keepers like that. And those kind of keepers, maybe it's just my personal preference, but they frustrate me. I like safe goalkeepers, assured goalkeepers, and um, and and Hugo Lloris is not one of them. Ronaldo, as you'd expect, made no mistake with a penalty, and right on the stroke of half time, France were awarded a penalty. Now this one was incredibly controversial, in my opinion. Uh, Nelson Semedo is someone that I think is probably a weakness in that Portuguese side. I think if Jao Cancelo is available, Semedo doesn't even get a look in. Um, and, and I think Semedo was clumsy here uh, in terms of the way he kind of runs into Mbappe or the way Mbappe runs into him. But it's nowhere near enough for me for the referee to be pointing to the spot. I couldn't believe that one had been given at the time. Really couldn't. I thought it was a really weird decision. Um, you know, I go back to the Lloris penalty or the, the penalty that Lloris gave away. And there was one angle where I thought maybe he just skimmed the ball first. And at the time, you know, I've watched it back since and I think it was a penalty. But at the time, I wasn't sure. And in my mind, as I was watching the game, my first thought was, well, he's trying to even this out here. He's realised he's made a mistake and he's trying to even this out because, I mean, Nelson Semedo does nothing other than um, come together with Kylian Mbappe, who is clearly looking for the contact. And Kylian Mbappe goes down, referee without hesitation, points to the spot. And Karim Benzema, who hadn't scored a goal uh, for France in Yonks, of course, he's been out of the national team setup uh, for a long, long time due to what's kind of going on off of the pitch. Uh, but yeah, he converted and, uh, and, and France were back on level terms. You know, at this point, you know, you're kind of looking at it and Portugal obviously needed a result to get themselves through uh, to the round of 16. So Portugal would have been delighted with that at that point. Um, Just before I carry on, big shout out to Kevin Campbell in the chat as well. uh, Former Arsenal man and legend. How are you doing, Kev? Hope you're well, mate. Uh, Thank you for tuning in as always. Uh, Continuing on through this game, though, um, halftime came 
and France uh, scored again, this time on the 47th minute. Karim Benzema played through on goal with a wonderful pass by Paul Pogba, who just looks a completely different animal when he plays for France. He just looks so much more accomplished, so much more creative. He just looks so much better and so much more comfortable uh, when we're in that blue shirt. And he played a lovely ball. It was a white shirt last night, but you know what I mean? Played that ball in behind for Karim Benzema, who first time finished excellently, um, put the ball uh, in towards the far corner, off the post and in to the back of the net. It was it was a truly excellent finish uh, from Karim Benzema. And the flag went up and you're kind of sitting there going, oh, for God's sake. But in fairness to VAR, and this is where VAR has worked better at this competition, they looked at it, they looked at it quickly and they got to the right decision uh, without kind of just taking the whole you know, without taking the time and taking the whole sort of feeling out of their game, I thought they dealt with it really, really quickly. And then what they did was later on during the game, they released the pictures that they used to be able to make that decision. So I think VAR is um, is a lot more efficient uh, when applied at this level. I, I still think there are some bits and pieces that, you know, you could improve. I still think that some of the decisions... Uh, are going to be subjective. That's just the, the nature of the game. You know, there, there are decisions in football that will always spark debate, that will always spark anger among certain fans. But what I really liked was um, was the speed with which they did it. Um, just getting a comment in uh, from Warren in the chat who says uh, that you can't hear. I can hear it when I'm listening to it back on my phone, uh, mate. So it might be your settings. You might be on, on Twitter. You might have your phone on mute. I don't know. Uh, but the sound is coming through loud and clear. I can assure you, I've just checked it uh, off the back of your comments. So I'm not sure why you're experiencing that on Twitter, but it might just be uh, that you've got your settings on your phone on mute. I know when I have my phone on on silent mode, it things don't come through unless I actually click on it. Um, so France took the lead again, uh, 2-1 up. And then, of course, Portugal were awarded another penalty right on the hour mark. And this one, I don't think you can have any doubts about this. Kunde with a handball, his arms were up in the air like that and, and he blocked the cross essentially. Um, and, and I don't think the referee had any choice but to point to the spot on that occasion. Uh, that gave Cristiano Ronaldo an opportunity to add his second. Uh, and those were his 108th and 109th goals uh, to equal Ali Dai's record set with Iran between 1993 and 2006. So uh, matching the record of the most international goals uh, in all competitions, Cristiano Ronaldo. So um, you wouldn't bet against him breaking that record, would you, uh, with more of this tournament to be played. But elsewhere, and, and this is where it kind of really went down, and I don't think anybody saw this as being anything other than a foregone conclusion, Germany versus Hungary in Munich. And you'd have backed the Germans in this one, but it wasn't to be as straightforward as they hoped. Zalai opened the scoring for Hungary after 11 minutes and uh, sent those travelling Hungarian fans who were situated behind the goal. And you've probably seen them when they've played in Budapest, those guys with the black T-shirts, the ultras, if you like. Uh, they were situated behind the goal that Zalai scored from. Really good finish. Um, and it looked as though, you know, Germany were in trouble at that point. Kai Havertz equalised for the Germans on 66 minutes. Um, However, within about a minute or so, Hungary went back down the other end and restored their 2-1 lead or their one-goal lead, Schaefer, uh, with the goal on 68 minutes, this time assisted uh, 
uh, by Zalai and Germany looked in serious, serious trouble. And at this point, people were sitting there going, my God, what is going on? The Germans are going to crash out of the tournament. Hungary are going to uh, sneak through. However, Leon Goretzka, short of that, uh, with just six minutes to go when he rifled a finish in from the edge of the penalty area, uh, beat the goalkeeper um, who stuck out a leg and tried to deny him, but just couldn't do so. Um, emphatic finish from Goretzka and one that the Germans were in desperate need of, uh, really desperate need of Galashi in the goal. Uh, no chance of stopping it. But when you look at the actual stats of that game, because I didn't watch that game in full, I started watching Portugal and France. And then what I did was I, I stuck the laptop on next to me so I could have this one on because it was looking like it was going to be an entertaining encounter and there was plenty riding on it. But actually, when I read back the stats and looked into the game in a little bit more detail after you know, people saying that the Germans didn't deserve um, anything from the game. They had 75% of the ball. They managed 18 shots in comparison to Hungary's nine. So they did dominate proceedings uh, at the Allianz Arena. Maybe not as efficient as they'd have liked to be. Just seven of those 18 shots were on target. However, they did find their breakthrough when they really needed it right at the end of the game. They got their equaliser. They switched off. They conceded again. And fortunately for Joachim Löw's men, uh, Leon Goretzka stepped up to uh, fire them into the round of 16. And now the round of 16 looks really, really interesting. And we mentioned England will meet Germany. And I said I'll talk a little bit about why I think, um, you know, this isn't the foregone. I'm not going to say foregone conclusion because that would be disingenuous. I don't think there are England fans out there who think that they there's a, it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to beat Germany. But I do think there are England fans out there You know, this German side have shown that they're fallible. Uh, this German side have shown that they're not bulletproof. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean that, that they're still not full of quality players. And you look through that lineup yesterday. I mean, this is their lineup yesterday. You look at it. Manuel Neuer is a world-class goalkeeper. I think he could have done better on Hungary's second goal yesterday, but he is a top, top-class goalkeeper. You look at that back three, and I think this is where people probably take a little bit of hope from. I thought Ginter... I think Ginter has looked okay. Over the years, uh, Antonio Rudiger, that he does have a mistake in him. I think where, where Germany... Are particularly particularly strong is in the middle of the of the midfield. You look at Ilkay Gundogan, who's enjoyed a very successful season with Manchester City, and you look at Tony Kroos, who is and has been for the last decade probably one of the top midfield players in the world. But this is a bit of a, a different German side. You've got Robin Gosens, who comes down the left flank as as they play with wing backs now. Uh, Kimmich, who is a centre midfielder by trade and probably would prefer to play in there. I think it's actually to England's benefit that he's not playing in there because I think he's a top, top player, but he is playing from the right at the moment. But he's shown what a brilliant delivery he has and excellent passing range. And then the front three, Havertz, Sane and Gnabry started yesterday. Um, but... but packed with talent and shouldn't be 
written off in my opinion. But, you know, England will look at that and say it's winnable. But equally, while it's winnable, they have to pay the Germans the respect that they deserve. Because if you don't, they will pull you apart. And I think Portugal um, will kind of attest to that. They were torn apart, weren't they? Torn to pieces uh, by this German side who just had a width about them that the Portuguese just were unwilling to match and that proved uh, to be their downfall. I think I, I, I do wonder if Gareth Southgate will change it up, if Gareth Southgate will change his formation in order to try and accommodate this German side, to try and deal with this German side. But that remains to be seen. You know, time will tell um, how it how it goes. But yeah. Uh, big game coming up for England. Can see a couple of you in the chat just saying that the uh, the stream has frozen a couple of times. Yeah, apologies. I saw it gives me a warning when my internet connection dips. I don't know why. Uh, I'm going to reset it uh, after this stream so that we don't have that problem again uh, today. But it did um, it did dip a couple of times. So apologies about that. Um, not a great deal I can do about it. Unfortunately, uh, pff, so annoying. You pay for the top internet, the top speed, and then this is what you get. But is what it is. Uh, so apologies if if it blanked out just for a, a couple of seconds uh, there. But uh, hopefully it's all good and all back now. Right, uh, we're going to leave it there because um, I've talked a little bit about Germany. We'll talk about how England should approach this game closer to the time. As I said, probably the day before, we'll do a full preview. I'll get a guest on and we'll have a good look. At how this one might play out. Um, thank you for supporting the Euro shows throughout the course of the tournament because I know this is an Arsenal channel and I know that most of you come here for Euro, uh, sorry, for Arsenal related content. So to see you guys supporting the Euro content is a is a massive um, thing for me. I really, really appreciate it. And uh, I will catch you all very, very soon. Until next time, take care. Have a good day. Ciao. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.